Hey guys, I want to take a moment and ask you to support the Mises GOP caucus. Like I always say, if the politicians are for sale, then let's just make the purchase. At the GOP Mises caucus, we're raising money to lobby elected GOP state representatives and senators to help us pass legislation called the anti-tax. What is that? It's how we're going to incentivize the state to make taxation obsolete by creating tens of thousands of sovereign wealth funds in local municipalities around the country, which will create passive incomes for the state, which will gradually grow to take the place of classical direct taxation, and will re reward people for voting for smaller and smaller government. The beauty of this strategy is that it doesn't rely on winning majorities of votes. So it's automatically going to be better, cheaper, and faster than purely democratic strategies. With just a few hundred monthly donors, we can get this done and make taxation obsolete permanently. All donations are anonymous to the public since this is a super PAC. All, you know, please support us at MisesGOP.org forward slash donate and subscribe to donate a few dollars per month now. Again, that link is MisesGOP.org forward slash donate. Thanks. Let's get back into the show. All right. Hello and welcome to Popular Liberty. We are back today with the fourth installment of They Have Uncrowned Him by Marcel Lefebvre. It is uh, May May 3rd in the year 2022 uh, of the, our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is, and we are ready to go. And I th say, let's just like go ahead and uh, get right into it. Chapter four, does the law oppress liberty? Liberty consists in the fact that by the help of civil laws, we can more easily, uh, we can live more easily according to the prescriptions of the eternal law, as Leo the Thirteenth. I could not give a better summary of the of the disasters produced by liberalism in every domain, such as they are exposed in the preceding chapter, than by quoting to you this passage from a pastoral letter of bishops dating from a hundred years ago. You know, but so very up-to-date a century later. At the present hour, liberalism is the chief error of, of the intellects and the dominant passion of our century. It fashions an infected atmosphere which envelops the political and religious world on all sides, which is, the, which is a supreme peril for, for society and for the individual. As an enemy of the Catholic Church, as gratuitous as it is unjust and cruel, it heaps up in a bundle in the insane disorder all of the elements of destruction and of death in, in order to banish the church from the earth. It falsifies ideas, corrupts judgments, adulterates consciences, enervates characters, inflames passions, subjugates governments, stirs up the, uh, the governed, and not, and not content to put out if that were possible, the torch of revelation, it moves forward unconsciously and boldly to extinguish the light of natural reason itself. Wow. This, <laughs> I, yeah, and I understand he's writing that this in 1985 and, you know, he's saying that this is from like, you know, the, like the, the night, the 1800s. It's like, yeah. holy shit. I mean, particularly that part about like subjugating governments, like what is it we're seeing right now? You know, with like, you know, our government is the, like the one going around the planet subjugating other governments. And like they're writing this well over like 150 years ago, basically. And I mean, that just like boggles my mind that, you know, they were so that they were so 
ahead of time, you know, in, 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 in their predictions. And again, this is, again, this is a pastoral letter of bishops <coughs> that was like the, from the late 1800s. And they're saying, and they're putting out that, you know, that, that, okay, what they're trying, since they can't get rid of revelation itself, since they can't get rid of facts themselves, they're going to get rid of reason itself, which is the means by which we make sense of those things. And, you know, and we fast forward into our century and, you know, it's like, this is all we see, you know, where it's like, no, I was like, I'm a man. And it's like, a, it's like, I'm a woman. And even though I have a penis and, you know, pre it's pregnant people, not pregnant, uh, not pregnant women. Birthing person. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it just boggles my mind how far ahead of, how far ahead of everybody else the Catholic church was in predicting stuff like this. And moving on, it, you know, the liberal principle, is it possible to discover among such chaos of disorders in an error so multiform, the fundamental principle that explains it all? I have told you the follow, you know, I have told you following Father Roussel, the liberal is a fanatic of independence. That that is, uh, yeah, that is it. Let us attempt to state it precisely. Now, to rewind just a little bit, he was saying, "Hey, they—they they, they are a fanatic of independence in the sense that they push it to like the absurd degree. Things like you know tra transgenderism or something like that. Like that, you know, it's yeah. It's, the fanatic is the is the operative word, or mm -hmm. is part of the operative word because into like and and the fanatic for independence. So you know, you can start you, you start uh, with a jump, maybe a." you might immediately think of like wars for independence, but also independence from, again, what you might consider to be like a traditional obligation vis-a-vis -vis the family. That would mm -hmm. also be a big part of this as well. And, um, you know, it's, I, I was before, before we started recording as I was kind of just like thinking about this because I guess, and I'm, and I, I'll probably have this complaint mm -hmm. throughout the whole thing, but, and maybe it's, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But I think there's I think there's a, a slight mistake in using the word liberalism in this total in, in this total sense. I don't mm -hmm. think I don't think the diagnosis and clearly we can we can manifest and map the behavior patterns that they're talking about specifically again with the revolution of 1789 that they're going to talk into. Um, but yeah, I just now so like liberalism is a system versus liberalism is just something that happens. And again, so but I think there's but that's where, again, if we're what they're talking about here and when they identify the enemy, so to speak, mm -hmm. it's the fanatic for the independence. And it's and it's that impulse that says, well, it's that impulse that says, no, I don't have to. I guess it. It's not even. It's like, I don't have says, to do it your way. I can that like that they can adhere to either the the true or the false or the to the good or the evil. You know, I, either way, either one is just good, and they have the right to do both. And it's like, yeah. no, no, now, that is not correct. What is interesting, and here I want to just double check before we move on. This foot, like footnote number two, I'm going to check just for the year mm -hmm. on this. Um, <clears throat> Oh, so translation outline from the Latin text. So it doesn't give a year. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Um, De Ecclesia Tome. I guess we'll have to look up when that was published. I was looking for the, I wanted to look for the year on this uh, next segment because it almost verbatim really maps precisely onto a, a very strict libertarian definition of property yes. rights. And I was liberty. thinking the same thing. Which I was, which I was, which I found very interesting. You, um, you want to go ahead and read it? Yeah, yeah. So, 
So let us attempt to state it precisely. Cardinal Bilot, Bioy, whose theological treatises were the books I studied at the Gregorian University and at the French Seminary in Rome. So if this, if he's a bishop in 1985, do you know when he was born? Uh, he's he was born in the early, uh, Probably like yeah, early, early, early 20th, 20th century. Very early 20th century. He was at Vatican too. So that was okay. in the, so, and that, so you figure he if he's like in his the 40s. 40s. So this text was, so this text is at least mm -hmm. from the late, 1800s early 1900s which i think is again very interesting to note and worth like reflecting upon as we go into it because yeah. we think of because precisely we think you, of libertarianism yeah. as a modern american libertarian you think of it as only being 70 years old it's not it's like mm -hmm. all of the fundamental presuppositions that it has are you know i think it's just it, it, the the modern incarnation of, of uh, libertarianism is you know, just a slightly better, more logically consistent version of what had existed for quite a long time. Yeah. And I think, um, and as I've put it before, it was also, it's kind of the last uh, compromise, if you will, for for uh, the post-World War II democratic world order, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that last compromise between the chaotic left and really the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, if you will. Um, I think that's the best way of understanding modern libertarianism. So, mm -hmm. so, so his luminous pages on the treatises of the church, he expresses as follows the basic principle of liberalism. Liberty is the fundamental possession of man, quite sacred and inviolable, which it is, which it is not at all permitted to harm by any coercion whatsoever. As a consequence, this freedom without limit must be the immovable stone on which all the elements of the relations among men will be organized, the immutable norm according to which all things will be judged from the point of view of the law. Consequently, and the law without, in, not in caps, consequently, everything that in a society will have the principle of the inviolate individual liberty as a basis will be equitable, just, and good. All the rest will be inquitious uh, and wicked. Iniquitous. Inic ah. ah, thank you. I missed that I. Iniquitous and wicked. Let's that, go ahead and stop right there. It's like, uh, there's a lot to be said right there. Well, I think, let's finish it because there's only yeah, okay. a little bit. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, it, it connects to the French. So, <laughs> yeah, okay, you got Iniquitous it. and wicked. That was the thought of the perpetrators of the revolution of 1789, a revolution whose bitter fruits the entire world still tastes. That is the whole object of the Declaration of the Rights of Man from the first line up to the last. For the ideologues, it was the necessary point of departure for the complete rebuilding of society in the political order, in the economic order, and above all, in the moral and religious order. You're right. I'm glad we finished it because it reminded me of a, of a point I made earlier in the week when I was reading this, that the American Revolution is just the French Revolution driving the speed limit. <laughs> And look right here, because what, what he says is that, you know, that was the thought of the perpetrators of the revolution of, the, of 1789, and the, that is the whole object of the Declaration of Rights of Men. What is that referring to? Is coming back to here that liberty is the fundamental possession of men, quite sacred and inviolable, which is not at all permitted to be harmed by any sort of coercion. You could put the word aggression in there. And mm -hmm. the end, uh, yeah. And uh, that any society that is, uh, you know, founded upon this uh, principle of inviolate individual liberty will be 
you know, as a basis will be equitable, just and good. We think of that as only being like, you know, 50, 60, 70 years old. Not at all. It goes out all the way back to the French Revolution, which is, again, why I say that the French Revolution, I mean, the American Revolution is the French Revolution driving the speed limit, because as you said, you know, this was uh, libertarianism really is, uh, you know, uh, is the last final compromise of the post-World Order, of the post-World War II order. Yeah. You know, with of know, trying to capture those, like, the good parts. Because you pointed it, because you said driving the speed limit. But see, again, there's that operative word, limit. Mm -hmm. Um, because, <laughs> yep. because because we say here this freedom without limit was the was but was behind the spirit of 1789 right mm -hmm. and so you might say that yeah i think i think i think if you were accurately looking at history you would have to say that the american revolution whatever narrative you want to put on top of that did mm -hmm. have limits right yes. it didn't do it didn't it didn't do what the mm -hmm. french revolution did right it 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 cast out the regulars and it put them on boats and sent them overseas it didn't chop people's heads off in the you know it didn't like wantonly chop people's heads off in the square yeah. and so and and I'm, I'm focused on the word limit for another reason which is i've been putting out a little some more premium content where i'm trying to explore some of the more philosophical foundational elements of like what i'm what i'm entitling the practice of skepticism which is to say how do we walk through how do we properly orient our reason right and part of that, I think, requires the introduction of a limit. Mm -hmm. Therefore, ta tautologically speaking, any system of thought that doesn't recognize a limit is is going to be, well, if you will, chaotic, mm -hmm. or or it will it'll will eventually it won't. Yeah, it's postmodernism. If, yeah, if there work. is no limit, you know, it has to be postmodernism, or it, it will eventually be so. That's why you have to say something is objective. Or else, you know, or or else you end up with, you know, complete subjectivism. It, there's, it, there's no way around that. Something, you know, because what that which is that which limits the system is that which is objective. That that cannot really be disputed. You can say maybe that's the first principle, but really it's got to be a lot more than that because a lot, a lot of people disagree on, you know, first principles. And, that, you know, it's also which ones, which ones do you include? This is why the church has held forever that, what you really need is to have, you know, have your reason trained by faith and just treat the church as that which is objective because she is rooted in eternity. Mm -hmm. And so being that she's rooted in eternity, she is objective because she is an immutable, unchanging truth. And therefore, she can be relied upon as a as kind of a, a bulwark and foundation of the truth, as the uh, as the Bible calls it. Yeah. Is that and I and I think that's a perfect that's a perfect example of what religion gives people and how it and how it helps people as well. Um, I'm going to but you also still. see that like you know, because liberalism wants liberation from this, it has to get rid of the church. It is necessarily atheist. Yeah. And this is why that when you had like the French Revolution, you had the church get looted and you get like burned and like the and like today it's like, it, you know, I like how Matt Erickson says that. You know, uh, libertarian. It's not that libertarianism has an atheism problem. It is an atheism problem. Ditto liberalism. Liberalism is also an atheist problem, necessarily so, because this is the only way for them to have true liberation from uh, from an objective truth, to where they can say, "I can, you know, adhere to truth or falsehood, whichever one I want, and it's my decision." So I'm far. It, 
so personally, I mean, mm -hmm. I've spent a lot of time studying like the subject to like the subjective nature of like being, um, and like, and and like what philosophers have had to say of that. And in particular, mm -hmm. we're going to go before, uh, uh, around the time of Socrates yeah. to Parmenides and Parmenides yeah. is one of the people that Plato argues against in his, in his, for, in his, uh, postulation of the forms of these perfect representations, because Parmenides can be paraphrased as man being the measure of all things. But if you go back yeah. and you read this, this is something that's always stuck with me. Um, so ever it's, it's one of those things that I've, uh, if you go back and read Parmenides, part, one of the things that he puts out and one of the like longest pieces we have of his still intact is this poem. And in this poem, like a goddess comes to him on a chariot with like, you know, led by horses. And she tells him, that you know effectively that there is what is and there is what is not and you cannot conceive of what is not so you see even mm -hmm. even and this the, even in subjectivity we have to there is a re, we can still resolve things into something whether that is an objective truth of the church or even if you just say again like well there is what is right because you you literally can't perceive of nothing even the process of emptying your mind is an action mm -hmm. of a kind, right? It's a train. It's a train of it. If I tell, I can't, because to not perceive is to not yeah. be. So there, so like, so you, so that even, but even that impulse can lead us very, very far. And we can still recognize things like law tradition and, um, and like, and like better ways of doing things. So again, you can see, even in a, even if we stick in a subjectivist frame, these people don't win. It, these people don't win if you actually push if you actually push the logic. So there's something else that really I think motivates the Robespierre's and the people who who uh, fund and uh, and push for revolution without mm -hmm. limits, independence without limits. And I think that's where we invariably fall into a conversation of power. But I wanted to I wanted to belabor this point a little bit because he's going to engage in mm -hmm. some philosophy next, which I think is useful yeah. and also demonstrates, again, the harmonious aspect of reason and faith. When, uh, when before you properly. do that, you know, just for the note for the listeners uh, that, that, you know, what he just mentioned of, of how this necessarily results in a power struggle. That was chapter two. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. So, yeah. Um, but right. he, he, he's about to engage in philosophy and uh ooh, what was sorry sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you i just wanted to get that point out there for no, no 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 I had, I had i had wrapped up my point my my point i think succinctly but so just right. to, yeah just to like there's there's you can still push your pull yourself out of the subject the natural mm -hmm. subjectivity of existence right like and as as like as a philosopher i've spent a lot of time staying in that vein precisely I guess for that point mm -hmm. of saying like, well, even in a postmodern frame, we can still find meaning <laughs> and we don't have to, you know, cut off our genitals um, <laughs> yeah. as, as the case or, or encourage children to cut off our genitals. But you will say, going back to the piece, mm -hmm. is not liberty a characteristic of intelligent beings? As a consequence, is it not right that the basis of the social order is derived from it? Be careful, I will reply, of which liberty are you speaking? For this term has several meanings which the liberals strain their ingenuity to confuse. Therefore, we have to distinguish. So philosophy is a way of, I think, fundamentally, when done properly, mm -hmm. is, a, is a process of neutralizing rhetoric, right? Because he points yeah. out that conflate. Oh, where, where do we hear conflation in, <laughs> in, rhetor in rhetoric? And, and, you know, and the, that the right is unique 
learning to wield this tool doesn't take away from the fact that it's like rhetoric is imprecise. Yes. Yeah. Um, but so where do we get this thing of like, oh, yeah, we're going to conflate a bunch of things together to make our case better. You know, maybe in a thing like under the rubric of women's health as we're recording, you know, given the given the topical news today or the perennial mm -hmm. or the perennial issue of abortion in American politics. Mm -hmm. So we see that conflation as well. Again, I'm trying to point, you know, draw corollaries to what people would perceive today as we try to talk about. So then what's the process that we have to do? Well, we have to distinguish. We have to do a little bit of legwork to distinguish the difference, different ways in which we can use the word liberty, the yeah. paradox of identity, as I call it. Let us then do a little philosophy. The most elementary reflection shows us that there are three kinds of liberty. First, a psychological liberty or free will proper to beings provided with intelligence, which is the faculty of turning one's mind towards such or such a good independently of all interior necessity, reflex, instinct, etc. Free will constitutes the fundamental dignity of the human person, which is said to be sujurious to depend on oneself and therefore to be responsible, which an animal is not. Anything you want to jump chime in for that one? I think I'm going to come back to it, but yeah, but you okay. can come back to it. Then we have moral liberty, which concerns the use of free will. So the use of free will. So psychological liberty mm -hmm. is our free will. Moral liberty is the use of our free will. A good use, if the means chosen, lead to the obtaining of a good end. A bad use, if they do not lead to that. You can see from this that moral liberty is essentially relative to the good. Pope Leo XIII defines it in a way that is magnificent, but very simple. Moral liberty, he says, is, quote, the faculty of moving oneself in the good end quote. I like that right there. But you know, that's where I, it, where I think this is the biggest, uh, you know, kind of confusion that I think the liberals make is that, you know, real Liberty is like, is necessarily moving oneself towards the good. You are, you are adhering uh, properly to the, you know, to the true and to the good. Because to do to adhere to the false is necessarily to make yourself less free. To adhere to the evil is necessarily to make yourself less free. And the uh, and so that you you are, are using your free will here, which in itself is immutable. Because like in your own mind, your psychological liberty. I mean, that's basic. That that part is basically immutable. But moving outward from there, it, you know, is necessarily where things start to get a little bit more mutable. And but but in order to maintain your psychological liberty, you have to use it towards moral liberty. Otherwise, you you end up, you know, at the very end with physical liberty where it, you don't have any. And, you know, I and I noticed this progression here where, you know, uh, you know, he said, you know, and he makes this point too at the, you know, which we'll get to that physical liberty, you know, is what liberals treat as immutable when really it's absolutely not. And they, you know, when in reality they should be treating kind of psychological liberty as immutable, and you know, and but where, but it's funny because they also do the opposite here. Because like, what what kind of liberty do they want to squelch the most? Psychological liberty. They want to take mm. away your ability. It's like they literally have this thing completely reversed because they they've literally stood man on his head. To where you know, like the, the the actual immutable liberty he has in his head, you know, of his mind, 
you know, is the part where they most want to change and they most want to coerce and aggress against. And and you see all of the means that they have from the, like the media, academia, and you know, and you know all, all the way down to like straight up threats of cancellation and stuff like that of how they're trying to conform your be, like because you founded a civilization on bodily physical liberty you necessarily leave open for the left you know that you know this psychological liberty right there for them to take that from from you by whatever means and the fact that they can't means that that this is an a never-ending struggle necessarily and whereas if you were to you know found it the proper way it's funny because they, they both both sides they treat moral liberty as the bridge so the second part of moral liberty is always the bridge it's like it, from one to the other so, so it, it moral liberty is the bridge from psychological liberty to physical liberty but they treat you know physical liberty as the foundation moral liberty as the bridge to towards psychological liberty which by the by which they mean taking yours well, and again, let's go back to those limits we were talking about before in the American Revolution. What was the limit that and and to a popular conversation in today's politics? What was that first limit that they put, you know, in the in the uh, in the Bill of Rights? Well, you know, there was a few freedom of religion. Well, freedom of religion, <laughs> um, but are not establishing a church, but also the freedom of speech. And so, what I've always and it's funny, it did it, it just clicked for me now as we were reading it. I because I've written a few times about this and I've said for years that what the all the freedom the concept of freedom of speech as it's enshrined in the constitution is a recognition of precisely what in this piece he's called the they call the psychological liberty it's that free will that is how how is it put here that is proper to beings provided with intelligence so it is to say that for, you know, I think the way I've talked about it is for free. Like it's that you don't get to control my mind. You can, you can, can you know, you can potentially control my body, right? You can, can you can limit me in a million different ways, but you can't silence my mind. And in that, and in the best possible interpretation of, or in the best sense of what some people were trying to do, let's say, uh, with liberalization. You see that you have mm -hmm. to recognize that, and now we're now we've clearly moved beyond that. And so, yeah. but one and just to, as another point to add up, which is something that we've been hitting, is this concept existed before the Revolution of 1789 or the Revolution of 1777. In fact, you might say that the American Revolution was trying to was 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 attempting or did a better job of attempting to reassert this psychological liberty. They just didn't protect. They they just didn't. Uh, I guess maybe foresee the longevity or or figure out ways to uh, protect I, I against they invasion. Knew, they knew it was a problem, and they're like, "Here's our best guess at how to how to solve it." And we just they, they, I don't think they had the right information. As like mm -hmm. they they understood the problem, and I, this is why I say, "Hey, the Constitution was a really good first try." Yeah, and like a really really good first try. It's like mm -hmm. they clearly understood the problem. And they didn't understand how to fix it, though, because that's not self-evident from the the nature of problems is that it's such or I should say that the nature of solutions is not that they're self-evident from the problems they, that they are you know set to fix. And so the uh, uh, yeah, like w when you have the founding fathers, I, like I do give them like some of them, not not the Masons. The Masons, I think, were up to no good. Uh, but sure. the. Uh, uh, but you know, I think there were a, a, you know, a whole bunch of them in there that really uh, you know, were trying. 
you know, mm. and you know, they were not the 1789 kind of liberals because, you know, and you see this like, hey, that, you know, well, why and, you see, ever... and why? Because they were arist like, you know, they were marginally ar aristocratic. They were people mm -hmm. of means who were actually who were the ones waging it, which is to say they had more to lose. Yeah. So it's a yeah. different set of incentives in, in a situation like that, where you have a greater appreciation for what might be lost if everything goes away. Whereas, you know, to, for the poor French, for the poor Frenchman of this time period who was living in what today we would consider absolute squalor, what do they have to lose? Nothing. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, and that, again, when we, we see this, we see this time and time again in places like the Middle East, we see this in, you know, we see this hap going on in, between Russians and Ukrainians right now is people when pushed to a point where they have nothing to lose is, is never a pretty sight. And you see the worst elements of humankind, of, of humanity or a more and animalistic right there, nature. Cause, cause right there, what you're saying is not what you are necessarily saying there is that Right here where he says, hey, the faculty of moving oneself towards the good is what moral liberty consists of. Because these people, like the Frenchies, had nothing to lose. What's the what's their greatest good? Their own good. So therefore, what needs to be moved? You know, it's like they are the greatest good. They don't need to move. You are the one who needs to move by force towards me. Your psychological liberty must be forced to conform to me, the greatest good. And to my greatest good, that's the essence of the French Revolution that has been played out in, uh, you know, in the Amer in the American Revolution two hundred years later. And let's go ahead and, and uh, keep moving forward. Moral liberty is not therefore an absolute; it is all relative to the good, that is to say, finally to the law, for it is the law, and firstly the eternal law, which is in the divine intelligence, then the natural law which is in the participation which is in which is the participation in the eternal law by the rational creature it is this law which determines the order put in by the creator between his ends that he assigns to man to survive to multiply to organize in society to arrive at his last end and in, in the summum bonum which is god and the means suitable for obtaining these ends. The law is not an antagonist of liberty. On the contrary, it is a necessary help. And that must be said also of the civil laws worthy of that name. Without the law, liberty degenerates into license, which is doing what pleases me. Certain liberals, making an absolute of this moral liberty, precisely advocate license, the freedom indifferently to do good or evil, to adhere indifferently to the true or the false. Who cannot see that the possibility of falling short of the good, far from being the essence and the perfection of liberty, is the mark of fallen man's imperfection? Moreover, as St. Thomas explains, the power of sinning is not a liberty, but a servitude. He who commits sin is a slave of sin. And I want to, you know, harp on this point just a little bit because it's the point we that I just yep. want to keep making throughout the whole thing. And I know you know about what I'm about to say, mm -hmm. but like that, this idea of hey, laws that are good, you know, I should say right here, the the natural law is a participation in the eternal law. In other words, it's founded upon it. You know, the natural law is you know is not founded upon the self. It is not found founded upon man's nature. It is founded upon man's nature as he received it from God, which is the eternal law. 
And the and so this, you know, we are necessarily presupposing that, you know, we that we got our nature from God and that we are, you know, to therefore to follow the our nature, which came from him. And the uh, and so you know, when you are saying, oh, I, you know, when I have law, when I'm making laws to achieve this end, you know, civil laws, these are human man-made laws, which is ironically not the, you know, these are the laws that, that liberals do not object to, you know, not, not, not really, because they, as long as they're the ones who make them and they're the ones who are enforcing them on you. And so, you know, when you have these kinds of, you know, like these human laws, they need to be reflective of the natural law, which we did not create, but human laws we can create, mm-hmm. and which is why liberals don't object to them. So, but you know, for them to be good, and they need, they have to be, uh, for human laws to be good, they have to lead you to this final end, to this summum bonum, because that is where where real liberty is found. Because you are necessarily adhering to the greatest truth, like what what he's saying right here. The uh, license is the freedom to indifferently to do good or evil, to adhere indifferently to true or false. And this is the, uh, you know, I mean, and this is necessarily going to fall short of liberty because we are designed in a certain way. And like like, like you can say, hey, I'm free to fill my gas tank with, uh, you know, know, with like, you know, salt and vinegar. And Mm -hmm. Like, okay, yeah, but now you've necessarily lost freedom of movement that your car was giving you. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, the, you know, it, it, even like in a car engine, you know, it's like, this is designed to work a certain way and you don't fill it with the gas tank with like salt and vinegar, you know, what you, and you, you fill it with gasoline because that's what it's meant to run on. But what liberals do is they say, okay, yes, I have a, an immutable human nature, which does not change. And yes, and, uh, no, there is no such, but but because there's no such thing as eternal law or God or, or you know necessary and for them necessarily so, because of there's no such thing as that, you know my my human nature which you know can easily be changed even though it, it's never can never works you know and you know and even though the human the human machine is designed to run in certain ways and to take certain inputs in certain quantities and no further and no less, you know they say nah. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, we're going to throw out the instruction manual, going to throw out the user manual and I'm just going to press buttons. And yeah. nobody else does that. It does that besides the liberal. There's and there's and there's two trends within that because you know, you have like the epicurean materialist atheistic answer of the of the ancients you might say, which is the maximization of pleasure, right? In in the current life. But you have but but that's still rec- that. false. But <laughs> right, but hang on, but that still recognizes a nature the modern, the modern liberal and then progressive were people who are rejecting the con the, the concept of man having the nature. Um, this is where this is where I think the Dar- you know the, the social Darwinists of the early 20th century do a disservice to um, the the I guess, you know they they do a disservice to the field of like biology because in fact. <laughs> like like modern evolutionary theory would would like would agree would agree completely with the what what god assigns to man right to survive Pretty to much. multiply to organize society to arrive at his last end summum mm-hmm. bonum which is god um and summum bonum is i think the ultimate prize right ultimate if, good ultimate yeah um so the other point i wanted to hit was um crap hang on it'll come back to me i just had it oh is is this is this so we even have again if we're going to analogize libertarianism as like the last the last attempt 
at a compromise. What what did we what did we what what is that compromise? Aggression, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, we've we've managed to define it. What did the people who don't believe in limits do almost immediately? And we see it time and time again. Well, what constitutes aggression? And can I twist because it, because at that point I'm only interested in my power? Can I twist the concept of aggression to suit my needs? So we see again even the same the same pattern playing out because you could even say a non-aggressive behavior is by definition moral liberty, right? You could make that claim. I think that I mm -hmm. think if you right, but but what it but then really what you end up turning it into is the license because it's I want to do things that I don't that that I wouldn't have to that I wouldn't be able to do otherwise or doing what pleases me. Yeah. And, and, you know, like what they're saying, you know, it's not the, uh, what, because, because they make, uh, physical, uh, liberty and absolute, what they necessarily lose is that you can act in ways, you know, that cause that by yourself, that cause you to lose less liberty and that a coercion against you that is pointing you back towards your eternal, towards the, the highest good towards that sumum bonum, you know, is necessarily not against your liberty. It is in favor of your liberty because it is getting you to do what you should have been doing, you know, that would have made you free. The existentialists of the early 20th century, this was the point I, I that got lost in my when I was talking. So the early existentialists were, were grappling with the modernistic age, or if you will, after Nietzsche proclaims the death of God, right? Which is removed. This, this is before postmodernism. And what the existentialists said, or at least Sartre, um, who's, who's one of like the most popular ones, talks about is how that every tool, everything created, has a purpose, right? And there's a purpose for its creation. Mm -hmm. But given that human, but but given the atheistic premise that human beings have no creator, it it is then it is then left up to interpretation what our purpose is. And that is, I mean, and again, if you want to talk about mm -hmm. if you want to talk about an idea that when you're talking second, third, fourth order magnitude effects, right? So it's not necessarily mm -hmm. about if you think of um, if you think of like a billiards game, it's not about the first hit, right? The second, third, or fourth is how you might be able to hit two or three balls to knock the one in that you want to have happen. When we're talking on second, third, and fourth order of magnitudes, when you introduce that idea into a population, right, that you have no fundamental, um, you have no fundamental purpose. Not even, by the way, not even the basic biological purpose of perpetuation of the species pair bonding mm -hmm. or, and and because people aren't even saying um you know you could you could point out single motherhood as being like you is is just a, it's like an r selected strategy so like forget the k selection strategy right if you can even say r selection which is about continuing the race but but mm -hmm. actively right now we're doing i mean the massive the massive the massive the ideology is about sterilizing people in whatever way they can and and you yeah. see and and when you look for that when your pattern recognition is turned on to this start paying attention if you don't already people listening is yeah. is and look for those look for those patterns that have to deal with not being again going against these basic things to survive yeah. right to live for tomorrow it, to multiply it is necessary because the, you know liberalism is necessarily you know full of acts against what you know uh, one's nature they are necessarily less able to advance that na that nature, ending with le less reproduction. And I want to also point out that you know their big thing is coercion, which is you know it's, it's subtle, but that's not the same as aggression. 
you know, it's actually a broader, it's actually a broader term. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, and, and you know, again, libertarianism is the final compromise. And so what, yeah, you know, it's, it's what, a refinement of an idea. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so what, you know, what's going, you know, and this is where I, when I think, you know, you know, the solution to libertarianism is, is that, you know, what, you know, that actually coercion is a lot of coercion is actually very good, particularly the coercion that is built into as a, as the foundation of private property. Because well, how about, how about those, co- the coercion that exists at the third and fourth order of magnitude? So it's not even necessarily anything you feel. It's just the thing of saying like, well, you know, I have to, I have to have some kind of a job. Right. Let's, yeah. you know, like there, there's an anti-work movement out there. Where does that idea that, you know, where does that idea come from? That idea comes from not putting a limit on your existence, exactly. right? Understanding that like, no, there are things that have to happen in order for like you to do well. For, 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 in order for you to even continue existing. And so what actually needs to be done as the, you know, as the, you know, solution to life, this is really is the solution to, to license or to libertinism is that you have to say, okay, the purpose, the telos of property is to point people again, back towards their eternal end towards that sumum bonum. So you as a property owner, as a uh, you know as a requirement of being an owner because remember ownership is different than possession possession merely just means i have control of it mm. whereas uh you know ownership is a moral you know component you know it has a it has a moral component to it and you have to ask okay so it's moral control well what makes it moral well the thing that makes it moral is that you are acting in accordance you know with your t- use, using it towards its eternal end you know, to, you know, towards your eternal end as the property owner, because if your property ownership descends from you, from you, from your, you know, self ownership, which you know we don't, we're going to use that term for now, but it's not really a, it's not really a good one. But you know, because you know, you have an eternal end, therefore that has to get transferred now to your to your pro- uh, property, which is an extension of yourself. And so, if you are not, if you are a property owner. You as like, and let's say you are like you own a big corporation that owns a, a lot of territory. You have an obligation now to use that ownership towards, uh, you know, towards the eternal end of yourself and everybody you're know, living in the property. So yeah. yes, you have an obligation, you know, to use that coercive ability that is the basis of your private property. You know, you know, you know, for everybody, for all of your subjects. Uh, you know, final ends toward God. You need to be to be, uh, you know, instantiating the Catholic Church, or you know, or or you know, really, really, it's the Catholic Church, but at least Christianity, you know, which points people towards their final end. Yeah, or at least is a is an attempt to put to uh, point people towards their final end of God. And this is you know, th- this is what makes ownership moral. Uh, you know, in the in this you know, in this particular framework here. Hmm. And and that the liberal denies this, and they try to make this the start necessarily ends you know, with you get with like you know your biological reality getting completely constrained, and the the ultimate constraint of which is death. You know, forty percent rate. Well, and, and and also to the point is, um, you know, under natural under Darwinian conditions. Right. A lot. Most of the most of the modern things that we see. Right. There's a reason why these there's a reason why the the queerness and the and the and the critical theory exists in Western in Western highly individualized cultures. 
and why the why you don't see that played out to the same level in a country like India or in a country like uh, a country like Pakistan that is relatively poorer than that than that of the United States. Mm -hmm. um, so I think um, yeah, there's definitely more to explore there, but let's mm -hmm. let's yeah. continue. On the contrary. Guided well by the law, channeled between its priceless guardrails, liberty attains its end. Here is what Pope Leo XIII sets forth in this regard. The condition of human liberty being such, it needed a protection. It needed helps and aids capable of directing all its movements towards the good and turning them away from evil. Without that, liberty would have been for man a very harmful thing. Firstly, a law that is that is to say a rule of what must be done or not done was necessary for it. Leo XIII concludes his explanation with this admirable, defin, admirable definition, which I will call plenary of liberty. In a society of men, liberty worthy of the name does not consist in doing everything that pleases us. That would be in the state of, that would be in the state in extreme confusion a disorder that would result in oppression. Liberty consists in this, that with the help of the civil laws, we can live more easily according to the prescriptions of the eternal law. Finally, there comes physical liberty or liberty of action or liberty vis-a-vis -vis constraint, which is the absence of external constraint that impedes us from acting according to our conscience. Well, it is precisely this liberty that the liberals make into an absolute. And it is this conception that we are going to have to analyze and criticize. And I think here we have very clearly the beginnings of what we call today leftism. Yes, this it, is it, it, because because again, just is to like reading this is such a for has always been a foreign concept to me of saying like, well, you know, you can anybody can like um, I used to ask people like, you know, is man free? Does man deserve to be free? And should man be free? This is like, you know, like early in my academic thing. These mm -hmm. are the fun philosophical questions I like to ask my friends. And almost invariably, and this is where I started to get the idea of, of, of limit at this early stage and like the idea of a philosophy of incentive. Immediately, the person's mind would say, well, yeah, I guess I'm free to punch you in the face. Or they would say like, well, am I just free to punch you in the face? You know, is and it's like so, that's where it goes every time. It's and that's where it goes. Well, that's well, and yeah, this connects to obviously a bunch of other stuff, but but that it's but that, that, that's that liberal conception right there, first, yeah. right in front. Mm -hmm. That's the but it's and that's how that's how people think of it almost almost invariably almost immediately. They think of it immediately as the physical liberty. Yeah, but also the idea of action of like using that liberty to like do you harm or do me harm. Mm -hmm. um, which, which incidentally traces a little bit to what Leo the Thirteenth is talking about here, where he says it needs a little bit of guide and it needs a little bit of mm -hmm. uh, of a little bit of massaging, and it um, needs to be pointed to in the eternal direction. And it's funny because, like, again, I was just making this point e earlier that because they make physic the physical liberty right here the foundation, necessarily mm -hmm. they must move inward, and the and so you get to moral liberty is pointed towards myself, you know, which is my psychological liberty. My psychological liberty then therefore becomes the ultimate good. 
And now that you are not in behavior in, in accordance with that, you know, it, with that uh, ultimate good of myself, of my yeah. psychological liberty, now you viol- you've violated my psychological liberty. But, and this, this is where you get the idea that, you know, so again, so you might say, oh, no, you know, telling a trans person that they are their biological gender is a microaggression. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Right there. That as because they they have managed to turn man upside down on his head, where well, his about head the, is on the outside. A, I was gonna say it's about the pretty little picture. It's about the optics, right? It's about how do you have the purpose. It's it's that NPR says that they talked to a nationally representative sample of parents, and that there's no problem. Mm-hmm. This was a recent headline, and of course the study was only of a thousand people, right? Yeah. And like that's you know okay, so a thousand parents. That's 500 kids. That's not even the, and I know, you know, like, so, okay, a thousand kids, but 500 kids, that's a very small school. Most public schools are in the magnitude of, you know, thousands of students. So it's, it's again that, but, but we have the picture of the physical liberty of the physical representation and like showing of this thing. Um, Anyway. Hey guys, I want to take a moment and ask you to support the Mises GOP caucus. Like I always say, If the politicians are for sale, then let's just make the purchase. At the GOP Mises Caucus, we're raising money to lobby elected GOP state representatives and senators to help us pass legislation called the anti-tax. What is that? It's how we're going to incentivize the state to make taxation obsolete by creating tens of thousands of sovereign wealth funds in local municipalities around the country which will create passive incomes for the state, which will gradually grow to take the place of classical direct taxation and will reward people for voting for smaller and smaller government. The beauty of this strategy is that it doesn't rely on winning majorities of votes. So it's automatically going to be better, cheaper, and faster than purely democratic strategies. With just a few hundred monthly donors, we can get this done and make taxation obsolete permanently. All donations are anonymous to the public since this is a super PAC. All, you know, please support us at MisesGOP.org forward slash donate and subscribe to donate a few dollars per month now. Again, that link is MisesGOP.org forward slash donate. Thanks. Let's get back into the show. Natural order and natural law. Before this, I want to insist on the existence of the natural order and of the natural law because the liberals will consent to admitting laws, but laws which man himself has forged, since they reject all order out of ordination or ordinance and all law of which man would not be the author. Now, now that there is a not now that there is a natural order conceived by the creator for mineral vegetable and animal nature and equally for human nature this is a scientific truth no science is racist and that's where we are right boy you get this one wrong (laughs) (laughs) boy go ahead read it no scholar would dream of denying the nature of things and men no way what does scientific <laughs> research indeed consist in for which billions are spent what is it if not for the quest of laws people mm. speak often of scientific inventions but this is an error 
Nothing has been invented. Something has only been discovered and uh, and exploited them. It's funny for the guy who really just nailed it in the previous section about how liberalism has basically turned man inside out, where his immutable liberty is actually on the outside, and his immutable liberty is on the inside. It's on the inside. Mm -hmm. I should say his immutable. Yeah, it's basically they they reverse the physical liberty with the uh, psychological liberty. His psychological liberty is on the outside. His physical liberty is somehow on the inside. And, you know, what they've and they've completely turned him inside out to where he's got now he has to use force against everything else, you know, to make uh, it to make it conform to himself. Now he's like, no one would dream of, you know, de of uh, denying the existence of laws written into human nature. Oh, boy, did you underestimate liberals as mm. and like and right there he should have seen it. But like, you know, but it's like, I, even I can't blame him at all. It's like, no one would think, oh God, you couldn't possibly deny the obvious scientific truth. Well, Watch me, hold my well, beer in or part, hold my bullshit. <laughs> well, and in part, I think, and largely in part because he was still living in a world in which the Marxists hadn't moved on. Yeah. Right. Right. So, right. So they yeah. were trying, yeah. So they were trying to break down the, they were trying to break down the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. They still believed in the communist revolution. And I think, and this is a, you know, like the Berlin Wall had not yet fallen, right? As mm -hmm. far as I understand from, when he, yeah, from yeah. when he had written this. So if the, so I think there's, I and and I and it's worth, it's worth belaboring that point because we get caught up today. It's so easy for us to point at the university as a source for all of our ills, and while the while the uh, beginnings of it were cert certainly existed during the time of his writing they really didn't manifest and they really didn't start to take power until the 90s and this is this has been traced this has been like traceable mm -hmm. of of like what today we call wokeness or queer theory or critical theory like it has its early roots in in marxist theory but really it doesn't take on this new uh this new focus against breaking down the barriers of of uh, like between men and women, and the ins and then simultaneously, the insistence upon a, a, a race essentialist narrative, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so like so it's so it's but it is but it is funny how he didn't have the you know he didn't have the conception of the cathedral, he didn't quite understand what mass media was going to be able to do, um, uh, but and but I think I think in his defense he would say well those people aren't scholars no matter what you call them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That the, the, uh, the, you know, those, uh, those race hustlers and those gender professors or whatever, they're, they're not real scholars. And, you know, it's like, yeah, he would agree with James Lindsay there essentially. Mm -hmm. I right, go ahead. Yeah. What is it? If not the quest for laws, people speak often of scientific inventions, but this is an error. Nothing has been invented. Someone has only discovered laws and exploited them. These laws which are discovered, these constant relationships between things, are not created by the scholars. It is the same thing with the laws of medicine that govern health, the laws of psychology that rule the, the fully human act. These laws, everyone is agreed, man does not make them. He finds them already planted in human nature. Now, from the moment that, you know, when it is a question of finding the moral laws that regulate human acts in connection with the great finalities uh, of man, the liberals then speak only of pl pluralism, uh, of creativity, of spontaneity, and of liberty. According to them, every person, you know, or every philosophical school has the power to construct 
hit, you know, its own proper ethics as if man in the rational and voluntary part of its nature were not a creature of God. At, at, you know, Hang on. Let's, let's pause there. Ahead, Honest, yeah. yeah. Has the power to construct its own proper mm -hmm. ethics. Mentally right. construct on the outside. But this is, but this is very, right. This is, this is, this is very much akin to liberalism. This is very much today what we consider to be ideology. And in part, why I think I've always had an issue with the field of ethics. Um, like even in, even in studying it, like, of course, this I, is the foundation. I, I think I'm generally an ethical person, but there's always this like lingering thing of like, well, if we have morality, then why do we need ethics? You understand? And so, and, and mm -hmm. right. And, and how can an ethic, how can ethics point to different moralities? Um, how can yeah. they be disjointed? Right. How can libertarians say though is you know it, it's wrong to it, to aggress to aggress against other people and it's wrong to tell lies, but you totally have a right to tell lies. As I, I mean, this is so obviously a contradiction. In you know, the, but you know, because you can't say, oh, it's immoral to cheat on your wife, but you totally have the right to. As I, wh which is it? Is it immoral or you know, and you don't have a right to it? Yeah, you have it, the choice. You don't have the right. Yeah, you have a choice, but yeah. it's not a right. Mm -hmm. And the uh, and so, you know, where you know they're making this error here is they they just assume that uh, morality and ethics are these disjointed fields, and morality is kind of whatever you want, and really just reduces to morality is your opinion, and ethics is my rule. And well, this and is this is a critical error that is foundational to libertarianism, which must be rejected. Well, and I think again, to the point of how quickly, how quickly the, like the things have shifted and the degree to which these, I, these mind pathogens of uh, like the modern woke mind pathogen, chaotic left, whatever word we're going to use mm -hmm. has taken a hold of people is like, you know, like I'm, I love the next generation of star Trek. Right. And mm -hmm. it's, and, and like Gene Roddenberry was very much a utopist and borderline communist, but you know, he produced some good stuff. Even in that, mind you, even in that, even in Star Trek, they make the point multiple times about how men and women are like a dimorphic species, right? <laughs> and in fact, in the, in the course of their adventures, they meet species who are like asexual or they meet species who have like, who require like three people in order to procreate and like they try to explore this thing but it's always very established that human beings are male and female and that they caught you know and that and this that so it just again how how far like how all of a sudden we fell off the freaking cliff it's worth again i i think it's really worth remembering that because um because because we have to keep things in minds of the herd and understand that most people are just reflecting and reacting they are not uh, con they're, they're not, they're not in the same sort of conscious, um, they're, they're not in the same way consciously processing the information, the way somebody at the top necessarily has to the same way somebody, a CEO is making much different decisions than the line worker on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. It's a different, it's a different calculation depending on your perspective, going back to that subjectivity of existence. Um, which has to be resolvable through some ultimate objective thing, which is the whole point of a natural law and eternal law above the law of man. As, as like, and how can they say that, uh, you know, basically this right here, okay, there's this at this universal ethic of pluralism, you know, but at the same time, I'm allowed to create my own ethics. It's like, well, wait, which is it? Is there a, well, is there a, is, no, it's no, like, no, hang on. Cause it's, it's, it's that I get to create my own ethics and yours is wrong. It's yeah. not, it's, it's not it's, where it's, necessarily it's, and yours is wrong. Yeah, it's like everyone can create their own, but uh, yeah, but you have to follow mine. 
Mm-hmm. It's like that's you know, it's like okay, so this is not really this is obviously false, and this yeah, is like everybody. Like, of course, it's everybody a can do what terms. they want, man. Yeah, everybody can do what they want, man. But, you know, if you don't put a rainbow flag up in June, like, you know, you're going to get run out of business. Then that's just the free market. Mm-hmm. And Even the that's uh, not what's happening. <laughs> of course. I mean, it's like right here. It's like there is this the, the like pluralism itself is like a contradiction in terms. It cannot possibly be both be true because, it, you know, it it really presumes its own falseness because, OK, if everyone can create their own et- their own ethics, you know, but you, but the, this, this, uh, ethic, but their ethic of, uh, you know, can their ethics cannot conflict. Pluralism well, without like, limit. Yeah. You see, because, because you see, because pluralism can exist, right? There have been great cities of man where multiple, where people of multiple faiths have walked and business and commerce is done in the spot, you know, like the spice trade and like the, like the beginnings last. of what today we call, well, but no, 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 but, but that's, but that's a pluralism with a limit. Why? Because it's because that polity is probably is governed by a single moral, moral and ethical structure. Right. So if you are, let's say you're in one of the great Muslim cities of old as a Christian, you understand that you're in a Muslim city. Right. And you have mm-hmm. to and they like you don't have the benefit of saying, well, I'm going to be subject to Christian law. You understand where and, yeah. and the same and same, too, for the Muslim who found himself in one of the great Christian cities of old as well. Right. And so that's so that's a plus. So you can see even a pluralism with a limit. And that limit eventually comes at that higher order magnitude. When you're talking about populations at scale, what what are the binding ideas that we use to 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 formulate our laws to be dominant and our practices and our cultures? Yeah. Yeah. One of them necessarily has to be dominant in order for, you know, others to even begin to be tolerated, because if one of them is not dominant, they can't possibly coexist. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Um, and I think this is also where it gets so confused between this is where, again, like as you're kind of like leading up to the cliff, because I think for people like you and me, we automatically or at least I'll speak for myself. Like I just say, oh, of course, again, going back to this thing where I realized everything has to have a limit, philosophically speaking, like, oh, yeah, of course, pluralism doesn't multiculturalism doesn't mean that any culture can do whatever it wants. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, clearly there has to be a limit. And like, so why is why are we having this horrible rhetorical political conversation around it? And that's why you got to keep digging until you get to the point to realize it's actually not about any of these things. Right. Like the rate, like the modern yeah. racial narrative has nothing to do with fixing the wrongs of slavery and everything to do with, again, as I always put it, social control. It has to do with controlling the population mm-hmm. far more than it has to do with um, with any with transmitting any sort of truth, which is to say it's not in accordance with any sort of eternal law. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, he then he has then the human soul, right? Ha- uh, has then the human, yeah, soul, human yeah. soul. Yeah. Has then the human soul made itself or does it make itself? This is the existentialist question, by mm-hmm. the way. Yet it is, and there were Christian existentialists, (laughs) yet yet it is obvious that in spite of all their complexity and all their diversities, souls are tailored on the same model and have the same nature. Whether it is the soul of a Zulu of South Africa or of a Maori of New Zealand, whether you are talking about a St. Thomas Aquinas or of a Lenin, you are always dealing with the human soul. Mm -hmm. Now... A comparison will help you understand what I want to say. Nowadays, one does not buy a rather complicated device such as a washing machine, a copy machine, a computer, without asking how to operate it. 
there is always a law to use, a rule that explains the proper use of this object in order to succeed in making it do its work correctly to make it arrive at its end. I would say, this rule was made by him who devised the machine in question, not by the housewife who would consider herself free to play with all the keys and all the mm. buttons. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a dig well, there, man. <laughs> yeah. That's a very just, like, 1960s man. <laughs> yeah. And you could tell you, you, we could really hear, you know, it's like, it's the one time you will really hear his, uh, you know, like his age come into play. Cause I mean, at this yeah. point he would be in his, you know, late sixties, early seventies. And mm -hmm. uh, anyway, but like right there, like, does it, you know, does it make itself or does it exist? No, it's clearly made by someone else. And, and, right. in, and, to, and so like, did you, do you have self-ownership? No, you can't possibly, you, you did not make yourself. You didn't. Right. And, and so he's actually, he's actually putting forth the existentialist formulation that I was talking about before, if you mm -hmm. caught that. Right. Is that he's that he's actually addressing the exit. This would this would be like the Christian response to the existentialist question. Um, in Which, part. by the way, yeah, it, this is the, this is the rebuttal to like the foundation of liberalism, because, again, liberalism absolutizes physical liberty and and uh, and and makes that the immutable part, which is totally a lie. And then, you know, makes the psychological liberty the one that is like, like uh, is so very easily aggressive against. This is why you have the ideas like wrong thing that you can get punched in the face for as a Nazi. So like, you know, like, you know which is funny because they, they have it literally the opposite that my physical liberty is absolute and cannot be touched. Yours, on the other hand, not so much. <laughs> so all proportions being preserved. There is a similar relation between our soul and the good Lord. God gives us a soul. He creates it. Thus, necessarily, he gives us laws. He gives us the means to make use of them to arrive at our ends, and above all, at our ultimate ends, which is God himself, known and loved in eternal life. So you see, this is this is giving us, this is giving us, again, that, that there is a high, like the highest purpose, our highest calling. Oh, we do not want that, the liberals cry out. It is man who should create the laws of the human soul. Let us not then be surprised that they make, a, they make of man something out of balance by means of making him live contrarily to the laws of his nature. Imagine some trees that would withdraw from the laws of vegetation. Well, they would die, that is clear. Trees that would stop giving their sap or indeed birds that would refuse to look for their food because that contingency did not please them well, they would perish, not to follow their law, which their natural instinct dictates, dictate, dictates to them, is death. Notice here that man does not follow a blind instinct like the animals. God has given us this immense gift of reason so that we may have understanding of the law that rules us in order that we direct ourselves freely towards the end, but not without applying the law, the eternal law and the natural law the supernatural law, and also the other laws which derive from the first ones, the human laws, civil or ecclesiastical, and all these laws are for our good. Our happiness is in them, without an order preconceived by God, without laws. Liberty would be, for man, a poisoned gift. Such is the realistic conception of man, which the church defends as much as it can against the liberals. It was in particular the honor of the great Pope Pius II, the 12th, 
to have been the champion of the natural and Christian order in the face of the attacks of contemporary liberalism. To come back from that to speaking of liberty, let us say briefly that liberty cannot be understood without law. These are two realities strictly correlative, which it would be absurd to separate and contrast. It is absolutely in the eternal law of God that we must search for the rule of liberty, not only for individuals, but also for human societies. Right Again, there. yeah, no, right. sorry. I'm just, that's where I have that moment of like, man, it's okay. just, it's, it, you just, it's just that reminder of it's just yeah. a wave on the shore, man. Like when it comes to thought and figuring these things out, it's just a wave on the shore. Yeah. And like the unique ways in which like the individual sand grains differ is what we can study. But like, I mean, again, just literally like I, what did I say of like some of the stuff I'm putting out there? I've never read Bishop Lavov before, yeah. before reading this. And you know, again, they're just the correlations and the way things can come out at the same time is freaking it's annoying sometimes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, for me, it really strikes me that if you have, you know, a, you know, reason which is trained by faith, by the faith, by the by the church, everything works out really, really well. And it's and to me, it's like, OK, but you could not have gotten to like the church by pure reason. It's like it only works in one direction. It's like because it seems like the church really is stumbled onto something truly eternal and objective to which, you know, and when it communicates this to us and we understand it and behave by it. And I, I say and behave in accordance with it. Everything works really well. And it's like that, you know, it, I mean, it's like the revelation, like we like we almost couldn't know our own nature you know, mm -hmm. without the church telling us this was your, this was our nature, which, you know, which it itself couldn't figure out except by revelation, by being told it by, you know, someone else telling it. And so when you have, uh, you know, stuff like right here with the liberals who deny all of that and their reason is completely untrained, you know, what do they do? They try all these things which don't work. And there's a million, there's one way to get it right and a million ways to get it wrong. And liberals have tried all one million of them, and to the point where, okay, what happens when the bird decides not it doesn't want to look for food, or that the uh, plants want to, you know, get away from sunlight? You know, they die. What happens when you know man tries to get away from like his biological instincts, which he should obviously know better, like you know that he should be uh, trying to reproduce, he should be trying to uh, be his, you know, be a better self for that end, and. You know, and that he should be accepting of who he is, you know, at, at for, you know, and how he's made. You know, what happens? He dies. It's like, it's like he cannot reproduce and he, you know, and he, he may, he probably will end up killing himself. It's like, I mean, it's a, it's a horrible, miserable way to live, you know, yeah. to, to be, to adhere to, uh, you know, something that is truly false or truly evil is necessarily to be less free and to get, and to make yourself that much closer to death and your eternal end, you know, mm -hmm. and I should say the internal, the, an eternal death. And yeah. And so, you know, it, it, like it really is clear then that, you know, that laws enforced with force, you know, you know, like the, the, you know, these, this is a good thing. So long as these, as the force itself is pointed towards your points, you towards your eternal end. And to, and to say that, that, you know, that this is an aggression and that this is necessarily taking away from my liberty is necessarily false. Like, no, not only is it not taking away from, from your liberty is actually adding to it because mm -hmm. it, you know, that you've been a force that has been applied to you in that direction of the, of, of eternity.
and so the uh yeah so like th this uh this like core principle of liberalism right here of the absolute the absolute nature of physical liberty must necessarily be completely false nowadays one does not buy a rather complicated device without asking how to operate it and it's interesting that he's talking mm -hmm. about this in relation to a human soul and so what does and and i think um you know and he says comparing a thomas aquinas and a lenin they both have that and i think what you see is um well, what you see in the latter case certainly is what a man can do when he thinks his soul is of his own choosing and making. Yeah. And that's, that's really the, that's really part of the, well, that's really, that's really a key, isn't it? To understand like the, the true depravity at the bottom of this. It's, um, there is no bottom unless you want to count <laughs> Lindsey Graham. Sure. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but it's no, it's, it, you know, but the other thing that was, that I, that was struck in this and, and I think, and I think we're starting to see, kind of, uh, we're, we're starting to see, we're starting to see the backlash to this finally. But you know, our whole lives we've been fed this this ridiculous narrative about the separation between like the church and science, and that the church has been like the new atheist mm -hmm. church is the enemy of science, sort of thing. And um, there's certainly a right, there's a conservatism and a like reluctance to new ideas in any ancient institution, right? Anything that would challenge its order and power. But to but again to the point, here here is the bishop citing science, and where and what do we see today? We see the conservative, you know, evangelical American right partnering with all of these heterodox liberal moderate left wingers. Why? Over what? Over science. Why? Because good science invariably uncovers the natural order of things. And that be and because that's its purpose. And so like, and, and just to the point is, and so we see again, just how out of like, like really how out of whack are like the larger sense making apparatus of, 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 of yeah. like American and Western society is today. It is, um, it is truly something that it has to be tuned like it, your sense it, yeah. making it's like a radio it has to be tuned into the proper frequency Precisely. And if, if it's if it's out of tune it's not going to work and you know the and the proper frequency it should be tuned into is god which is an eternal truth an immutable permanent truth which mm -hmm. is communicated through the church it's like you have to let the church put its hands on your uh on your radio dial of, of your sense making apparatus and tune it into the right frequency and you have to let that happen well and i think the i think one of the big problems that we see mm -hmm. then is then so why isn't the church where it should be yep. in that regard you understand is that's and i think that's where i think that's where some people are listening and certainly i'm thinking as we're having this conversation is like i can well, tell so you where, right now so where is it it's the separation of church and state because as like that the church that's should a bold be, claim well yeah because that the church the church should be tuning uh, basically the way God always works is he always works through intermediaries. It's mm -hmm. like he's you know it's not that he's left us all alone to fend for ourselves. It's that he's given us real intermediaries who help us with these things so that he doesn't have to. Because he like the reason he can say that he's given us everything we need is because he has. And so mm -hmm. these intermediaries he's given is one the church and two the state. The state he is here to make laws. And they don't know which laws they're going. They need to make by themselves. They have to receive that information from the church. 
So the hierarchy is necessarily God, which who gives that truth to the church, who then transfers that truth to the state, who then makes laws that help uh, guide that guide and uh, transfer that truth to the people. And the, and because, and by doing it, th by doing it this way, you necessarily get, and you wind up like it, it with something that kind of looks like feudalism where, you know, Hey, this is what built Western civilization. It worked. Christian feudalism worked. And mm -hmm. it, because it, you know, it, it had everybody in their natural place in the natural hierarchy, you know, uh, with, you know, with God at the foundation of it. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, we could we can parse we can parse out feudalism and kind of you know because I, I think you can even point out that the modern division of labor you still kind of have the same yeah. form, right? So again, it's really mm -hmm. just that second order effect because like the reality is there one way or the other. It's just a matter of like what's the perception put on top of it? Okay, well, what's that Marxist perception? That Marxist perception is that your boss is actually stealing from you. Like there's not a symbiosis. Mm -hmm. There's not a, there's not an actual, to your point, kind of a, a like a connection of, of the Trinity yeah. where like, where like all, all people, like there's the feedback from the top to the bottom, mm -hmm. right? What we, what we really see today in modern in, in the modern age is that, is that separation between the different groups. That's one of the reasons mm -hmm. why we see this very, well, we see this very clearly in media because there's no, because there's no harmony up the top and the bottom, especially, yeah. or, especially as it relates to like, 50% of the entire country, right? <laughs> as, as, as basically as it goes, right? As, as we find ourselves in that side, on that side. Um, there was one point I wanted to make and, or a question I wanted to ask. Da, 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 da. What were you were talking about that God gives us the rules. Oh, the church and the state. I'll even, I'll even go, because I don't, because it's not even, because we can start, okay, church and state. But it's also that maximalism thing. And what's that maximalism turned into, right? What is that without limit turned into in the modern age is the church doesn't get to talk politics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, and, and, because they, and, and it's, it's their 30 pieces of silver. It is literally mm -hmm. the same betrayal of the apostle, wow. of the apostle, of the apostle to the savior, because it's about their wow. tax exempt status. That's the it. president of the United States. Again, you know, as a Catholic, oh. I, I, I struggle with going back to church. I think of what's why my, like, this is something mm -hmm. it, anyway, but like, I, I've never, I've never supported abortion in my life and I never yeah. would, right? Like I could, you can maybe make an, you can understand, you can empathize with people, but that doesn't make it right. Again, it's about what is right. It's not about what is quick or expedient. You have the president of the United States today. I, I just tweeted this out and I, you know, kind of on a lark, I just like said, USCCB, the U United States Catholic Council of Bishops. Do you have mm -hmm. a comment? Um, because here, I just want to pull this up real quick if it'll load because like they will not say anything about it and they're not going to say anything about it but you have but but to the point of uh here the president joe biden told reporters during tuesday that the question of where life begins is unknown is unknown wow. not which isn't yeah. even true not, again, no, not no. biologically speaking, not scientifically speaking is but it's just but it's but so but but forget that this is this is President Joe Biden who claims to be a Catholic. You understand? This is this is a guy who this is a guy who touts his Catholic faith whenever it's deemed convenient. And and oh, and the, and there's no comment from the bishops. Now the bishops have their own problems. You know what with their what what with their covering up oh, of yeah. pedophilia and you know and stuff like that, um, which is which is which is awful. But to the point, that's where mm -hmm. I always I always 
find like I need to ask that question at the end of these things because I feel as though if the if the broader hierarchy or institution of of the church was I guess doing you know acting like this you really see that again showing showing that the idea of liberty is is compatible with a Catholic perspective. And it, and it, of course it is right. But really mm-hmm. doing that work of demonstrating it and not just simply bowing to the, to, to the progressive orthodoxy. But again, that, pro, that, that's, that's the 30 pieces of silver. Yeah. It's like that, that's the first time that that hit me that it really is the same betrayal. And it's this set. Yeah. That separation right there. That was, it wasn't like done. It was done by force, but it's been perpetuated in the modern age through bribery. Mm-hmm. It's just, ah, oh, man. Yeah, it might have been Judas's fate, but it was still, in the moment, it was still the money that did it. Right? Yeah. And, and, and for what? <laughs> and for what? And like, he died. He, yeah. he, he got away well, and from for his... what? And for what? For all of the churches to shut down with, at the government's behest and remove and telling everybody mm-hmm. that your faith, and this is, this is, that your faith doesn't actually matter. Yeah, it's the like thing- yeah, obey the lockdown, mm-hmm. mm. and the, and they couldn't say anything about it. It's like God, and and they really they end up just doing it to themselves, basically. Yeah. Wow, that is profound, man. All right, I think that's it for tonight. <laughs> any, final, any final comments? We're gonna end on that. Go to binawake.com, subscribe with your email address, and uh, I've been putting out a lot more premium content. Podcast will be back soon. Y'all do that. And if you want to continue this discussion with, with me, that you can uh, join my uh, subscribestar.com, my Discord server at uh, subscribestar.com forward slash popular dash liberty and continue this conversation here. Wow, man, that was profound. Take care. Night, 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 guys. <laughs>